Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Well, what is up, LifeGate? Good afternoon. Come on, how many are glad to be here today? I am glad to be here. In fact, I'm going to need your help just a little bit because I came to preach today, all right? So how many going to preach with me a little bit this morning? I appreciate that so very much. We've been doing this series called Favor. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But before we do, let me just remind you, next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday, we begin our Christmas outreaches, and I'm so excited. Next week is L. LG family Christmas. And what's so great about it is that this time of year, people will come to church that wouldn't come to church any other time if you just invite them. So I need your help. How many will help me? I need your help. This is what I need you to do over the next couple of weeks. I need you to invite somebody to church. Next week, we're going to have Santa here and you're going to have pictures with Santa for the family and the kids and all that fun stuff like that. We'll have some special music, special Christmas message, hot cocoa bar, y'all. I'm just saying, if you like hot chocolate. You don't want to miss that. So that's this coming Sunday. Invite somebody to that. And then on Christmas weekend, on the 22nd and the 23rd, this worked so great last year. We decided we'd do it again this year. We're going to have a Saturday night. Everybody say Saturday night. Saturday night, y'all. Saturday night service at five o'clock. And then two more identical services that next Sunday morning at 930 and 11. And this is when we're going to have our traditional kind of candlelight service. We'll have all kinds of Christmas music, a Christmas message. I'll tell the Christmas story to all the kids. It's always so fun to see them all dressed up. And then we will have a candlelight time at the end of the service. And it's a perfect time to invite somebody. Maybe it's your family that are in town for Christmas. Or maybe it's that neighbor you've been wanting to invite. Or someone like that that maybe they don't know the Lord. Or maybe they need to get back in church or something like that. And here's what we're doing. We're praying for God to use these next couple of Sundays as you invite someone. That they will come and their life will be changed changed by the message of Jesus Christ. And so we'll partner together. If you'll help me, how many will help me? Come on. Thank you for those three people that are going to help me. No, no, you're going to help me over this next couple of weeks. We're praying. I'll do my best to minister the message of Christmas and of Jesus. And you just invite them to get here. And we're going to believe God's going to touch their lives and lives are going to be changed because that's what it's all about, right? Changing lives in a changing culture, in this unchanging truth. That's who we are and what we're all about here at LifeGate. Now, we've been doing this series over the last uh, two weeks. This is our third week of the series called Favor. And what we've been looking at is like, what does it mean to live with the favor of God upon our lives? And to this point in the series, we've been talking about God's favor for us. But today I want to kind of flip the script just a little bit because there's a different kind of favor that I think actually comes when we have God's favor. And that is called the favor of man. That is to have favor with people. How many would like to have some favor with the people in your life? Maybe with your boss or maybe with your, your wife or with your kids or your relationships. And so that's what we're going to talk about just a little bit today. What does it mean and why do we have it and how do we get favor with others? How do we use that favor to lead people to relationship with God? And so at a, a diving off kind of point today, what I want to do is I want to look at two scriptures to kind of set it up. And then we're going to have kind of a main scripture that we're going to we're going to go off of today. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them.
come up to these three passages of scripture today. The first one is found in Luke chapter 2. The second one is in Acts chapter 2. And then we'll dive into Daniel chapter 6, which will be kind of our main theme for today. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and get there. Some of you are like, I can't find three passages real fast. So here's what you can do. Just get your get your phone out, go to your LifeGate app, and it's all right there for you. And we'll start with this in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It's on the screen there for you as well. Let's read it together. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and what? And man, what an incredible passage. What an incredible verse, this idea that Jesus had the favor of God on his life, that when he came to this earth, that he grew and he gained wisdom and he grew as a man in stature and God put his favor upon his life. But then he had this other little thing that was so important that he had the favor of people, the favor of men, that there was just, I mean, you look at Jesus' life, there was just something about him. Like it just, it just drew people to him that people saw Jesus and they're like, man, I like that guy. I want to be around that guy. I want to leave everything to follow that guy. I mean, there was just something about him. It was this favor of man, this influence, this credibility that God placed upon his life. We see the same thing happen in this next passage in Acts chapter 2, that, that God is beginning to build his church. And this passage begins to talk about what that early church looks like. And we see the same kind of thing happening for the church. Check it out in verse 45. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying what? Everybody say it out loud. Enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We see the same thing happening that in the early church, there was just something about these people that people wanted to be around them that people go, man, there's something about those people at that church that's just different, that I like them. I want to follow them. I want to be around them. Even so much so that it says that that people begin to gather all around and the Lord added numbers daily to their church and people were being saved all because of this one thing. They had the favor of all the people. And what's so interesting about these two passages that we see with Jesus having favor with people and with the church having favor with people is that they had this favor in a world that was very unfavorable towards Christians. I mean, you think about the the culture that Jesus lived in and the culture that the church was being built in. It was a church that was very unfavorable. Many of the people didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't believe the things that that he taught. Like it was even to the point where it was an even even a hostile culture towards the church and towards Jesus. Yet in the middle of this unfavorable, hostile kind of a culture, the church and Jesus continued to grow in favor with people. And I think about that. It's really not a whole lot different than the world we live in today. 
In fact, we have to admit today that the culture that we live in in America is becoming increasingly more and more every single year hostile towards Christians. How many would know what I'm talking about? I mean, just look around and you see just the attitudes that kind of people have towards the word of God, towards the value system that we have as Christians, the attitudes that people have towards Jesus and towards the church and towards Christians, that we live in a culture that is more and more and more unfaithful towards the lifestyle that we that God has called us to live and yet here's what I believe that I believe that even in a in a culture that is unfavorable towards God that God's people can actually still have the favor of God upon their lives towards people around them in fact this is what we're going to see happen in the life of this guy that I want to talk about today a guy by the name of Daniel everybody say Daniel Now, you may or may not remember Daniel's story. Probably you've heard at least part of his story. In fact, how many of you ever heard of Daniel and the Lion's Den? Come on, all you Sunday school people know I'm talking about Daniel and the Lion's Den. And here's what we find from Daniel is that Daniel lived in a culture very similar to what I just what I just described. That Daniel was a Hebrew man who actually lived in a Babylonian culture. That, that, that he was an exile, actually, a slave into this culture in this kingdom of Babylon. And that, that the Bible says that Daniel was a godly man, a God-fearing man, a man who served and worshipped the one true God. And yet he lived in a culture that was filled with godless, pagan type of people. And yet right in the middle of a culture that was unfavorable towards God, God put his favor upon Daniel, even so much that he had favor. You you just go and read his story and you see with with empire after empire, person after person, king after king, that, that Daniel continued to have favor on his life and continued to rise above. There was something different about Daniel. There was something that... That Daniel had a favor that actually, as you read the story, you see that it actually led people to relationship with God. In fact, isn't that really the true reason that we would have favor with people in the first place? I mean, the whole point of having favor with people is that we would use that favor and that influence to reach people and lead them to God. Not just so that we can benefit, not just so that we can, we can have, you know, we can prosper or we can be promoted or we can grow. Although sometimes that becomes the result of that favor. But the ultimate purpose of that favor is to use that influence to lead others to Christ. And this is what we see happen with Daniel. In fact, there was one thing that caused Daniel to stand out above all of the others. It was one thing that gave Daniel the favor that he had with the kings that he served under. And that one thing was this. Daniel was different. Everybody say different. Daniel was different. There was something different about him in that world, that he was a light that shined in a dark world. And this kind of leads me to the key thought for today. And the key thought for today is simply this. In order to make a difference, you're going to have to be different. If you're going to make a difference in this culture, if you're going to shine a light in this culture, if you're going to have favor with people so that you can lead them to relationship with Jesus, then guess what's going to have to happen? Your life's going to have to be different. 
If you're the same as everybody else, you're not going to stand out. But guess what? When you begin to step up and begin to live a life that is different, when you begin to step up and you begin to live a life according to the word of God, you begin to stand out in the crowd. People begin to notice. And here's what I would say. If you're the same as everybody else, if your life looks just like all your friends who are not followers of Christ, maybe something's wrong. Maybe you need to begin to look at your life and see, am I different? Am I living different? Does my life look different? Does my weekend look different? Does the way I treat my kids and my wife look different? Does the way I spend my money and my time look different? Do the things I post on Facebook and Instagram, do they look different? Is there something different about me? It's that difference that's going to make all the difference. In fact, this is what we see happen with Daniel. If we look at Daniel's life, we're going to see four differences. We're going to see four exemplary qualities about Daniel's life that that make the difference. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write these four things down today. The first one is simply this. If we're going to be different, then here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to learn to serve. Everybody say serve. In fact, if we want to gain favor with people, if we want to use our influence to lead people to Christ, if we, want to, if we want to attract people to ourselves and attract people to our church and let God lead us and flow through us to lead others to relationship with him, here's what, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to learn to be a people who serve. In fact, this is what we see happen with Daniel, that Daniel over and over and over in his life, he just quietly and faithfully served the king. In fact, we see it right here in verse number two of our, of our passage that, that Daniel was so attentive to the king's needs that with Daniel in charge, the king never suffered loss. In other words, like Daniel was so much so that he decided, I'm going to serve every single need of the king that God blessed the king because Daniel served him. And here's what you have to understand is that Daniel served the king even though he didn't believe what the king believed. Like his, his values were completely different than the king. And yet he continued to serve him. Now, he didn't compromise his values. He didn't compromise his beliefs. He just showed up every day and served. And can you imagine what would happen in your life if you decided to do that? Imagine what would happen in your work situation. If you had just decided every single day, I'm going to show up at work and my whole reason for showing up today is because I'm going to serve. Not because I'm going to get this job to serve me or these people to serve me. Not just so I can get a paycheck or not so I can get a promotion or not so I can make money or make everybody, everybody like me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show up today and whatever needs to be done, I'm going to do it. Imagine what kind of attitude what kind of difference that would make if you had that attitude in your work? I mean, just think about it. Imagine what would happen to your boss. You're, you're a boss that doesn't know Jesus. Imagine the change that could happen if you showed up tomorrow morning and you just decided, man, I'm not even going to say nothing. I'm just going to, my whole attitude is just going to be about how can I serve? What can I do? How can I help? How can I be of assistance? Imagine what would happen to your boss after you went to visit him in the hospital because the heart attack you gave him because the way that you changed, something might start changing in him too. He might start looking and going, you know what? There's something different about that guy. 
Like, man, you know, I'm not even a Christian and I don't even go to church. But, man, I see that this guy, there's something different. Maybe maybe I ought to listen just a little. Maybe I ought to look into that that thing that he believes. Maybe I ought to check out church. Maybe there's really something to that because of the attitude that you had. Imagine what could happen in your marriage. I mean... Think about it. If you just decided, instead of getting my wife or my spouse to do things for me, what if I changed it all around and said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to serve her. I'm just going to serve him. Imagine what could happen in your marriage. Imagine how much better, first of all, your marriage could be. Come on, right? In fact, I heard this just this last week. I I put it in the message because I thought it was so good. The five most important words in a marriage is this, is what can I do to help? (laughs) Just imagine. The difference that that can make. Some of you, you have spouses that don't know the Lord. And you want to influence them to know the Lord. And they don't come to church with you. And you want to get them to come to church with you. And, and man, what could happen if instead of always hounding on them about the way they don't go to church and don't do all the stuff you want them to do, what if instead you just said, I'm going to serve him or I'm going to serve her. I'm going to let them see Christ through me. What could happen in our world if we just decided, man, even when I don't agree with someone, even when I don't like someone, come on, right? I'm going to serve them. You say, well, what does that look like? I don't really even know how to do that, how to live that out. I'll tell you, here's what serving really looks like. It just looks like this. You first. Everybody look at your neighbor. Tell them, you first. Look at your other neighbor. Tell them, you first. Actually, they're second because you chose them second. Just imagine what could happen if we decided in a selfish, self-centered kind of a world, if we decided here's the kind of life I'm going to live, a you first type of a life. In fact, this is why Jesus had such influence and such favor because he came to this world not to get everybody to like him. He came to this world not to get others to serve him. He came to this world so that he could serve others. And this is what Paul says, that our attitude should be just like that. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, look what he says. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in, in humility do what? Value what? Value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself what? Nothing to take on the very nature of a servant. This is what Jesus understood. Here's how I gain favor and influence with others, not by standing on a street corner with a megaphone yelling, turn or burn, (laughs) but instead by coming in the form of a human being and saying, how? can I serve others? If we want to gain favor and influence, if we want to lead people to Christ in an unfavorable culture, here's where it starts. We get an attitude of a servant. Number two, write this down. Not only are we going to serve, not only did Daniel serve, and that's what caused him to have this favor, but number two, Daniel was a person of love. Everybody say love. Let me just tell you something. If we're going to win people to Christ, if we're going to gain people's hearts and win their favor, let me just, first of all, let me just tell you what doesn't work. You know what doesn't work? Arguing. (laughs) You know what doesn't work? 
is trying to convince, you know, I, I've been in ministry for 20 something years now and all my ministry grew up in church. You know, I've never seen one person give their heart to Jesus because of a doctrinal debate. It don't happen. You're not going to argue people into a change of heart. People don't just go, oh yeah, you know what? Your argument was so perfect and so right. That comment you made on Facebook was just so to the point that, man, you are right from now on and my heart is forever changed. That's not the way it works. But you know what will change a heart? Love. When we love people even when we don't agree with them. When we love people even when we don't like the way they live. When we love people even when they're not doing things the way we would want them to do. When we love them, guess what? When we love over and over, eventually it begins to get to people's heart. And that doesn't mean we don't speak truth. Yes, absolutely. There are times when we need to speak truth into people's lives. But even when we speak truth, how do we do it? We do it in Love, the Bible talks about speaking the truth in love. We do it in the right way, in the right moment, in the right time, on the right platform. And by the way, social media is not the right platform for that. It's in relationship. When I have built a relationship and loved a person enough that then I have earned the right to speak into their lives. See, our greatest witness that we have is our love for each other. You know, it starts, it starts the way we love each other in our family, the way we love each other in the family of God, in the church. You know, that's the greatest witness to the world. When, when the world looks on and they see that the church can't get along and we're bickering and fighting about doctrine and politics and all whatever it is that we're, that we're grumbling and fighting about, you know what the world does? They look on and go, man, they ain't any different than the rest of us. Why would I want to be a part of that? But when God's family, when his church decides that we are going to love and serve one another, the world looks on and goes, man, there's something different about them and I want to be a part of that. In fact, that's what Jesus said. He said in John 13, verse 34, he says, it's your strong love for each other. That will what? That will prove to the world (laughs) that you are my disciples. Here's the proof. Not your great services, although they're great. Not your beautiful buildings that you're building, although it's looking pretty good out there. (laughs) Not your amazing worship, although our worship team does a fantastic job. Not even your fantastic sermons, and they are around here. I'm just saying hallelujah, amen. But that's not what does it. You know what does it? Your love for one another. Your strong love for one another. And here's the deal. <laughs> this is why this, this is such a hard point. Because that ain't easy to do. There are some people. Come on, let's just be honest. There are some people that are hard to love. Somebody's laughing a little too hard right there. Aren't they? I mean, there's some people, you know, they just rub you wrong. Let's, let's just tell it like it is. There's some church people. <laughs> Right? There's no perfect church. Because there's no perfect people. And there's no perfect pastors. And the truth is, you know, hey, sometimes, like, other people get on your nerves. Sometimes, y'all gonna get on my nerves. <laughs> and I'm sure sometimes I get on your nerves too. <laughs> but you know what we do? We decide. We decide we're going to love. We're going to love each other. Even when we sometimes don't like each other, we're going to love each other because it's our strong love that will prove to the world that we are his disciples. You say, how do, how do I do that? How do I live that out? Well, a couple of things I put in your notes. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. Is You just start by showing compassion. And some of this, this is the biggest struggle for us. Sometimes it's because we have forgotten how much compassion has been shown to us. 
And when we realize how much God has loved us, we can't help but show compassion to others. Sometimes we're so interested in arguing our point that we forget people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Show compassion. Maybe it means that we just take an interest. Maybe it just means that, hey, instead of trying to get people to be interested in me, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get interested in others. Instead of trying to tell them all about me, I'm going to ask them about them. It's amazing when you just ask them questions. Hey, how's your family? How's things going? You ask about them. Suddenly people begin to want to talk a little bit more. In fact, I love the way that uh, Dale Carnegie says it. He says, you can win more friends in two months by getting interested in others than in two years by trying to get them interested in you. Maybe you just decide, hey, I'm going to make an extra effort. This is easier to do at the holiday time because we we think about this stuff. But what if we decided all year long we're going to make an extra effort to serve and to love people that, hey, I'm going to, man, I'm not going to just try to get them interested in me. I'm going to show some some compassion and take an interest in others. I'm going to go the extra mile to make a difference in someone else's life. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs 3 and verse 3 that we should let love and faithfulness never leave us, that we bind them around our necks and write them on the tablet of our heart and this is what will happen then we will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and the sight of man how do we gain favor with people how do we influence people towards relationship with God we 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 start with we start with serving we move to loving number three I almost forgot my points there for a minute number three you learn to respect everybody say respect what was different about Daniel what was it that made him stand out and that gave him favor? It was just a little R-A-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. Come on. It was respect. That, that Daniel learned how to give respect to others. And, and you know what it gained him? It gained him respect. That Daniel had the respect of others because he gave respect to others. Even to people he didn't agree with. You study his life. You see the kings that he served under, none of them believed the same as he did, but there was something about his attitude towards authority that caused the kings to want to have him around. It gave him favor that they brought him around, even though most of the time when they did, he gave them bad news. But they wanted him there because of his attitude towards their authority. Guess what, guys? Here's, here's what I know, is that you can, you can respect others even without agreeing with them. The Bible says it like this. Look what Peter says. It says, we should show proper respect to everyone. What was that word? Everyone. Who's that include? Everyone. Come on, y'all are smart. I'm telling you. Does that include, I mean, does that include someone who loves you back? Does that include someone who doesn't love you back? Does that include someone you agree with? Does that include someone you don't agree with? Does that include someone who gives you respect and someone who doesn't respect you back? Come on. Everyone means everyone. The Bible says here's how we win people to God. Here's how we win favor with others is that we show proper respect to everyone. Even though maybe we don't always like, maybe even though we don't always agree, we can, we can disagree in a respectful and a loving way. And I think one of the things that, that loses favor with Christians and with the church and the culture that we live around with, that we live in today, is not so much our message. Many times it's just the way that we speak and bring our message. It's the way we say it. It's the disrespect that we give 
online or, or wherever that it is. The Bible says, show proper respect to everyone. Peter goes on and says it like this in, in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So in other words, hey, I'm not saying don't say things, don't speak truth. But this is how he says to do it. When you speak that truth, you do it with what? With gentleness and with respect. We're going to speak the truth. But we're going to speak it in love. See, here's what we have to remember, guys. Even when we're speaking truth, here's the thing. We're not doing it to win an argument, but to win people. There's a difference. See, Daniel had favor with people. He had favor in the king's eyes, and the king put him in charge. And he influenced the king even to come to a place of saying, God, the God that you serve is is the true God. Why? Because Daniel was a person who knew how to serve. He was a person who knew how to love. He was a person who knew how to give respect. Number four, check this out. Daniel was a person who knew how to lead. Daniel was a leader. You look at his life. And here's what is interesting about the way that Daniel led is that he let his life do the leading. It wasn't so much in the words that he said It was just in the way that he lived, the consistency of his life. In fact, you look at his story three times every day, no matter what, he knelt down and he prayed. There was a consistency in his life. There was something exemplary about the way that he lived that caused Daniel to shine. Daniel realized that everything that he did, he was representing God. Caused him to gain favor. We see it in Daniel 6 and verse 4. Then the other administrators and high officials began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling the government affairs. But they could not find anything to criticize or condemn. Check this out. For he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Wow! Here's a guy that they're trying to find something, some sort of fault, something that they can get him with, and they can't find anything. The only thing they can find is that the guy prays three times a day. I mean, if that's the worst somebody can find on you, man, you're doing pretty good. And they say, here's this guy who was an example in every single way. He was, he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Imagine if you live like that. Imagine if you live such a life that everyone, even if they tried, they'd look at your life and go, you know, that, I know that guy's not perfect, but man, he's faithful. He's completely trustworthy. Like there's something about him that's different. Imagine the influence that you could have. Imagine the way that you could lead people towards relationship with God. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 11. This should be your ambition to live a quiet life, minding your own business, doing your own work, just as we told you before. And as a result, this is what will happen. People who are not even Christians will trust and respect you. And just imagine if you went to work like that. Imagine if you lived your life like that. Imagine in your family, even the people around you who are not Christians would look at your life and go, there's something different about them. There would be a trust and a respect and a favor on your life. In fact, this is what was said about Jesus. This is the way Jesus led, lived. Look what it says. It says people uh, in Mark seven thirty seven. people were overwhelmed with amazement. And this is what they said. He has done everything well. What if people looked at your life? And they were, they, had, they were able to say, man, God just does everything well. <laughs> Something about him. And some of you go, well, I'm not Jesus. I can't do that. You know, that's what they said about Jesus. But you know what Jesus said about us? Look what it says in Matthew 5, 13. That we're the salt of the earth. 
But salt loses its saltiness, can't be salty again. In other words, what he's saying, hey, you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to stand out. You're supposed to bring flavor into this world that you live in today. But if you lose that flavor, if you lose that saltiness, if you lose that thing that's different about you, you can't get it back. But this is what he says. I've called you, verse 14, to be the lights, to be the light of the world. A town on a hill that cannot be hidden, that neither do people put a lamp under a bowl, but instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may what? They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what it's all about. That's what favor with people is all about. That we live a life in such a way that people see our lives and it brings glory to God. You say, Pastor, how do we live like that? Man, that's, that sounds pretty tough. Like, how do I become a person who serves and loves and respects and leads and gives and has an influence on this world? Well, there's really only one way to do it. In fact, we get an insight to it in the way that Jesus lived his life. We see it in really in two words in this incredible passage. In, in, in John chapter 12 and verse 2, Jesus is about to go to the cross. And before he goes to a cross, he, we see this example of how he serves the disciples and he washes their feet. And there's two words in this passage that show us how he did it and how we can do it. We see it right here. The evening meal was in process and the devil had already prompted Jesus, the son, Judas, the son of Iscariot, to betray Jesus. But Jesus knew. Everybody say, Jesus knew. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and dried them with the towel. These two words, Jesus knew. How could Jesus serve like that? How could Jesus love like that? How could Jesus lead the way he led? How could Jesus respect even people who didn't believe the same as How could he have this kind of influence? These two words, Jesus knew. He knew what God had called him to do. He knew who he was and who was inside of him so he could live with a quiet confidence that drew everyone to him, to the Father. Can I tell you here today, I, I really think the biggest reason that we struggle to live this kind of life, the biggest thing that holds us back from serving and loving and respecting and giving and leading and one little thing, insecurity. See, all of us in our hearts, we have this thing that says, man, I got to prove myself. I got to make everybody like me. I got to promote myself. I got to put myself out there so that others will like me and I'll gain favor and I'll have this influence and I'll have all these things that I want to have. And here's the problem is the more insecure we are and the more we promote ourselves, the more we put ourselves out there and show and try to tell everyone how great we are, the more people are turned off. The more we come to a place just as Jesus did that just says, you know what? I know who I am. I know who God's made me to be. And I don't have anything to prove. I don't have anyone to impress. The more people will be drawn to us like a light so that we can draw them to relationship with Christ. It all starts right there. A quiet confidence. 
a humility that just says, I know who I am. I know who God's made me to be. It's like John Maxwell says, people are the most comfortable with people who are the most comfortable with themselves. I don't have anything to prove. I don't have to promote myself. I don't know one to impress. I know who God's called me to be. I'm just going to stand up and be that person that he made me to be. And boy, when you get that going inside your life, guess what happens? You're just going to naturally want to serve people. You're just going to, because it ain't about me. Now it's about them. You're just going to naturally want to love people because it's going to flow from inside of you knowing who you are in Christ. You're just going to (laughs) naturally give the respect to others and step up and lead in a way that can only happen as you step into it.